Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Welcome, everyone, to the Spirit of EQ podcast. I'm Eric Pennington, and joining me is Jeff East. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Hi, Eric, and everyone out there. We are super excited today. We have with us Art Markman, and uh, that's selfishly speaking, and that's also when you get to understand his background and the things that he's done, things he's involved in. I know you're going to feel that way, too. Uh, but Art is the Annabelle Iron Worsham Centennial Professor of Psychology, Marketing, and Human Dimensions of Organization and Vice Provost for Academic Affairs at the University of Texas at Austin. He's written over 150 research papers on topics including reasoning, decision-making, and motivation. Art brings insights from a cognitive science perspective to a broader audience through his blogs at Psychology Today and Fast Company. He has a podcast, Two Guys on Your Head. He's also the author of several books, including Smart Thinking, Smart Change, Brain Briefs, and Bring Your Brain to Work. All right, Art, I think I nailed that pretty well. Did I not? Uh, you stuck the landing there. Appreciate <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So um, to start with, I wanted to kind of delve a little bit into emotions and the role that they play in decision making and thus what our potential outcomes are. And yeah. I, I know th in this time frame, and I almost want to say since the pandemic, we, we tend to be as a society a little bit more willing to talk about emotions. Um, but could you talk a little bit about the role that they play and, and their impact on decision making and outcomes? Yeah, I, you know, whenever I talk about emotion, I always like to, I mean, being a psychology professor, it's an occupational hazard, but I got to take a step back and just clarify um, where emotions come from. Yes. Because it's actually really crucial to understand that, to understand the influence that they play yeah. uh, on decisions. So um, basically, we have this motivational system that engages the goals that we have and, and drives us to act. And that motivational system is evolutionarily really old. It involves brain systems buried deep inside the brain. And literally all of the great storytelling and thinking apparatus we have in the outer surface, that cortex of the brain, is built on top of all that old stuff. Mm -hmm. and so uh, because it's built on top, all of that great storytelling apparatus, all that great uh, thinking apparatus doesn't have really wonderful access to everything going on deep in the brain which means that you can't really introspect and understand your own goals. Instead, your motivational system creates feelings 
mm-hmm. that that are basically reflections of how that motivational system is doing. And if you're doing well motivationally, you feel good. Doing poorly, you feel bad. And the, the more invested you are in that goal, the stronger the feeling. Mm. And then those feelings get turned into emotions when you analyze them, when you when you understand where they came from. So the the reason that emotions influence decision making is because we are have to be motivated to care about the things that we're choosing. Right. We don't choose anything dispassionately. We are engaged with the things. People don't say, I chose this because it was the best option. They say, I want this. Yeah. And when you say, I want this, that is a reflection that your motivational system is engaged. Or sometimes we say, I don't want this, right? I I, I actually want to avoid this. And, and that's another reflection of motivational engagement. And so we have to understand that that if you're not motivationally engaged, it's hard to make decisions. And consequently, uh, you're going to have an emotional response to things. And that emotional response is providing you with information that is incredibly relevant to the choice that you're making. Yeah. And that that makes me think about my own personal journey, uh, in this case, with my wife of 32 years. Um, <laughs> this, uh, this idea, you know, it comes to me, you know, the times where I I – I I said something that oh I, I I and I could tell that she didn't receive it well. She walks away and I'm going, could I just have that back? And to your point, Art, uh I wanted uh, I wanted her to understand where I was coming from. I didn't deliver it well. So now I'm starting to feel okay, I'm I'm a little apprehensive now because I think I've hurt her feelings, those kind of things. That's one small example. Is that kind of like what you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So what happens there is, you know, when when you when you say something and it and it hurts somebody else or you can feel like it didn't it it didn't really land the way you wanted it to. Um now you've created a a negative situation which which you didn't want to create and and you you want to you want to fix that. So mm-hmm. so now you engage your your motivational system engages what's called the avoidance system. Because you've got a threat out there in the in the in the world. In this case, you know the threat that your that your wife is going to be upset uh, and upset at you, and so uh, and so you want to you want to avoid that threat, and so um, and so you're going to take steps to try to repair that. But but what what's going to happen is you're going to experience the avoidance emotions, which are stress and fear and anxiety, mm. and. And really, you know, you're just you're you know that what those do is to alert you. There's a there's a potential calamity out there, and I've got to do something about it. Do you believe the more engaged we are with those emotions, the better we are at sort of that decision making process, or is that a up for debate thing? Well, uh, you know, I, I would say the answer to every hard question in psychology is it depends. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I think I think it is important to recognize that we engage our motivational system in decision making. And a lot of whether that's a good thing or a bad thing depends on whether my motivation in the moment is the best information for making that choice. So sometimes it is. Right. So so if, uh, you know, if, if I if I have to integrate a lot of information, particularly about people where where I don't have a lot of words to describe that decision, then then often 
the emotional response is providing really valuable information. But if you're the CEO of a multi-million dollar company and you have lots of good spreadsheet data and projections about what's going to happen in the future, and, and those projections are based on models that are time-tested, uh, those may be a better source of information in some of those decision situations than your own emotions are. Mm-hmm. And, and you should really, you know, while, while you want to take into account, if you feel some trepidation about a decision, you want to take that into account and ask yourself why that is. You don't want to discount a lot of that other information in those in those really complex situations, because our motivational system, our emotions didn't really evolve to to take into account the kinds of information that those really significant business decisions often require. And looking at it also through the lens of we are in a very complex, uh, rapidly changing world that we live in, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and we have to recognize that the motivational system engages in the moment, which means it may not be a great predictor of what you're going to feel like tomorrow or next week. There's really fun evidence from a variety of places, including some work Danny Kahneman did, that if I choose the flavor of ice cream I'm going to want tomorrow, I might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting that you bring up that uh, type of uh, analogy because um, I used my wife as an example earlier, and um, there have been times where I thought that I stepped over a line, and then I found out maybe five minutes later when I went to get to, to sort of gauge the pressure gauge, you know, that kind of thing. And she's like, oh, I'm fine. Why? What's wrong? And, and yeah. then you go back and you go, oh, but in that moment, right, um, yeah. I thought this is big. I, 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 I blew it, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. it's, it's so interesting in how you said that. Um, so a um, little bit about, uh, and maybe this connects to, to a degree, um, I, I've been trying to shift my terminology uh, from mental health to mental fitness. And some of that is an ode to um, Simon Sinek and the things I've, I've heard from him. But when you look at the United States at a, at a high level from your vantage point, how would you say we're doing in that reggae that, you know, as it relates? You know, it's a, it's interesting. I mean, I think we're on a journey as a country. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, so 30 years ago, it was very difficult to talk about any issues relating to mental health and wellness at all. Uh, You know, physical health, we could sort of deal with, uh, but, but mental health, not so much. And, and I think, you know, what, for a variety of reasons, we began to have those conversations to talk about um, first mental illness, but 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 more but 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 more than that for you know just just pe- everyday mental health that that people are dealing with, and, mm-hmm. and I think we have gotten good at recognizing when when we're stressed, uh, when we're anxious, when when we're uh, feeling feeling uh, sad, or perhaps even verging into depression. So I I do think we are better at talking about it. Mm-hmm. The next step in that journey is really to to engage in in routine practices that promote mental health and mental wellness, and and that's a place where we're not quite as good. 
which frankly mirrors a lot of our long-term health practices. We are we are as a nation not particularly good at exercising regularly, at eating well regularly, at avoiding um, some of the substances that maybe we ought to ought, ought to stay away from and and. And so it's it's no surprise that that when when you think about some of the behaviors that can promote mental wellness, that we're not we're not always good at those either. Uh, and some of them are just some of them are actual physical health kinds of things. I mean, getting out and exercising turns out to be uh, a great way to uh, promote mental health as well. And so, you know, that physical activity matters. But, you know, there's there's also um you know, practices involving a lot of reframing of what's happening in your life. You know, the, the the wonderful thing about being human is that we have a remarkable capacity to reframe a lot of the things that have gone on around us. And so, you know, do I choose to be angry at the driver in front of me or do I look at that and think, well, you know, maybe that driver's having a bad day. Uh, you know, or maybe there's something going on with the car in front of them that I didn't see. And, and, and so, you know, giving a little bit of that grace to somebody else that, that in turn lowers your own, uh, uh, energy levels around things. And, and those practices, um, are learnable, but they're not in as wide use as maybe we'd like them to be. It's, it's funny. How many times have you used, have we used that example of the person in the car in front of you? Yeah, the cutting off in traffic. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've got a, a question going back a little bit. You mentioned that the mental fitness, mental whatever we want to call it, is people are more aware of it. Why do you think that change is happening, that people are paying more attention to that? Um, that's a, it's, you know, I think there are several reasons why people are paying more attention now. One is that the psychology community has been more active over the last mm-hmm. 25 years in, in bringing information about the science of psychology and the science of mental wellness to, uh, to, to, to the forefront. And, and thankfully, a variety of publications seem interested in, uh, in providing outlets for that, you know, I've I've had the privilege of writing for Fast Company on a week, you know, a weekly uh, column for Fast Company online for almost ten years now, and you know that's the sort of thing that, you know, in 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 the nineties, every article in a business magazine involved somebody, usually a man in a suit, doing something like arbitrage, and and you know, success was was about the the money. And and I think that that when you look at, at those same magazines now, there's much more of a recognition about the integration of of that work into the into the rest of your life, and and that recognition that you can't be pedal to the metal 24/7, 365, and that and that there's more to life than 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 just the size of your bank account, and and I think that that um, when that becomes part of the public conversation, it. It, it influences the way people think about themselves. You know, it's interesting, Jeff, and in, in how you brought that up. And mm-hmm. Art, as you were unwrapping that, I'm, I'm thinking about our access to information in 2023 is so much greater than what it was back in the 90s, right? So in yeah. some senses, having access to the information now allows people to kind of go, oh, I get, well, that's a great point. 
you know, I, and I, and I, and I realize right, that there's still some folks that are struggling with embracing that. I mean, exercise is a, is a great one, which I want to return to in a minute, but, um, it, it really is a big positive. I mean, a lot, there's many things online that I'm not a big fan of, but <laughs> I cannot deny that this opening up of the information so that those in the psychology community and other places that can speak to these things that really are really beneficial. What we're doing right now. Yeah. The podcast realm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, who would have thought, right? I mean, right. <laughs> I think. No, I mean, you know, you used to be, you used to have to be lucky enough to be able to get on a radio station. Yeah. And now we have the opportunity to provide content for people who need it, uh, when they need it, uh, where they need it. And, and, uh, and, 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 you know, that, that, that information can persist as well. So it's, you know, it's, it's not as ephemeral as, as a radio broadcast used to be where you'd say, well, did you hear that show that somebody did? And you'd be like, no, I missed it. Oh, well, it's gone. <laughs> right. And you know, it's so fascinating. And this would have been around the, um, this probably would have been 2006, 2007. Um, and, and I don't think internet radio really ever got any strong footing to, to do anything. Cause I think quite frankly, at least in my opinion, that it morphed into podcasting. But um, I used to have a, a, a an internet radio show. And as we were talking, I'm just thinking about how clunky and difficult it was to pull off this thing. Because I would try to have guests on just like a podcast, but you know, obviously the internet <laughs> then was not the you know the <laughs> bandwidth and oh my gosh. Um, but, but here's to the big positive of that. Um, if, if we could, uh, Art, I want to Go back to that exercise thing again, because it seems like I'm seeing on a, a weekly basis new articles about research about exercise and its impact on mental mental health, mental fitness, as I call it. Um, and again, maybe it's that that sort of it takes time for this stuff to really you know to stick. Um, but would you say that the research is pretty conclusive now that we can say if we exercise it will help and maybe yeah, I, I think there's 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 no question on that score and i think it's true both in the short term and the long term okay uh, it you know in the in the short term um it is a great way of boosting your mood getting outside getting into the sunlight getting a little bit bodily movement um you know the the brain is is a critical part of controlling the body and so when you get out and, and, and move around and exercise, um, it, it directs your attention towards that movement, which, which can often break a cycle of rumination. Rumination is, you know, from the word ruminant, uh, an animal that chews its cud. Rumination is all about <laughs> chewing over those negative thoughts when you're experiencing you're, some anxiety or depression. The, you're talking, dairy farmer right you're talking to an old dairy farmer. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And, and so, uh, you know, getting out can can break that cycle in the short term. And then in the long term, physical health, I mean, the brain's part of the body. If 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 the body is healthy, you are you, you are much more likely to, to, to experience good brain health as well. And the, the healthier your brain, the, the, the less likely you are to in the long run to suffer microstrokes, to suffer other other things that can cause the little bits of brain damage that can ultimately lead to uh, dementia. So there's 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 no downside 
to, to getting out and moving and, and a, a tremendous amount of upside. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. And I, I, I got to thinking, um, when it comes to this idea of, um, I mean, we, we were talking about information and being able to, people now have access to it. Do you believe, uh, Art, that, um, because it's easy for me, and I'm just saying this personally perspective-wise, uh, and I have no data to back myself up here, but um, it seems to me like we, we're getting more and more obese. We're getting more and more uh, sedentary. And that's an easy path. Um, reframing, I, I can kind of look at it through the lens of going, well, um, what's the time frame that it takes for people to get new information and then to move to action result, that kind of thing. What are some thoughts on that? You know, I, I think that that um, part of the problem we have now is just that um, behavior change is hard. Yeah. And, and, and human behavior is strongly biased towards the thing that feels good in the moment. And so um, eating a really good meal, uh, that feels awfully good. Yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, uh, rigorous exercise doesn't feel good on day one. And it certainly doesn't feel good on day two after day one <laughs> when your entire body is sore. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's it, it's a matter of developing a set of of routines that pay off more in the long run than they do in the short run, particularly early on. And that is a that's difficult. I I like to point out that that if you look at the at the Ten Commandments, right uh, in in the Bible, you can uh, excise a couple of them that have to do with follow this religion rather than that one, mm-hmm. and all of, all the rest of them are about do the thing that's right in the long in, in the long run, not the thing that's right in the short run. So that person who just annoyed you, don't kill him. Right. Uh, that, yeah. That you know the the uh, that that very uh, pretty thing somebody else owns, don't steal it. And the very attractive person uh, married to your neighbor, leave him or her alone. And those are on the list, not because they're easy, but because they're hard. The list doesn't say breathe, doesn't say eat three meals a day, right? Those those are easy. It's it, it's it, it's really the hard ones. And I do like to point out that on top of all that, that list is kind of a failure in the sense that humanity does all the stuff that's on there. So, <laughs> Well, I, you know, I usually go on to say that if you're in the business of trying to influence people's behavior, you should bear in mind that it's not the message because that Ten Commandments, that was that was published in the best selling book of all time and it failed. Yeah. Right. So God can't come down and tell you to do something and have you listen. What makes any of the rest of us think that you're going to tell something to somebody and that's going to be the thing that changes their behavior? That is. Uh, wow. That's a money quote, Art. Um, <laughs> for sure. And, um, heard it here first folks. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's actually, you know, I, and I think about this, we were talking about it, uh, before recording, before you came on about the, um, uh, we recorded disclaimer at the end of our podcast, you know, the idea of, Hey, just want you to understand this for educational purposes, not intended to do blah, 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 blah. And we were talking about the importance of that. And then we got into talking about, uh, uh, my wife, another. I love my wife. You probably could already figured this I out, Art, as I'm many times yeah. <laughs> as many times as I mentioned her. Um, but she has some podcasts that she listens to from a number of naturopaths and wellness coaches, and some that are alternative in how they practice. And uh, sometimes 
I don't know if they they probably could use what you just said because I think they 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 utter things so unequivocal, right? Yeah. You know, it's just so dogmatic. Maybe it's a better way of saying it. And I'm going, but you can't know that for sure. Is what you shouldn't you be a little more cautious about those absolute statements, right? Yeah. But I think what can happen in this influence business, we maybe we believe in it so much, we we think it's worked so well for us, so therefore it would work for everyone, and then we just we go with it. But yeah, that's that's profound. Um, do you as as it relates? Because I know with your podcast, I mean, you're dispensing things of offering of help and 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 change, right, to a degree. I mean, we, you know, we, we, we really just try to help people to understand the, uh, the, the, the underlying psychology of things, right? So, you know, there's, so for example, there's, you know, we, we talk often about how there's tremendous power in things like reframing a situation, but we also want, we are, we're also very clear as often as we can that, that, you know, if you're persistently anxious and depressed, uh, t- talk to a professional, yeah. you know, yeah. you're, you're not, you're not necessarily going to reframe yourself out of clinical depression. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, some of these things will help as, as part of the, the, the balanced breakfast that can, that can be part of, of mental mm-hmm. wellness, mental fitness. But, but, you know, sometimes, sometimes you're in a situation where um, engaging with the medical com- medical community is also really important. Yeah, and it's okay, right? I mean, yeah, I, and I, I, I more think, than okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, if you listen, I, I felt I, a year, a little over a year ago, July of of twenty twenty two, I, I, uh, I had a bike wreck and uh, and shattered my pelvis. Oh, and I, I, yeah, I spent a week in the hospital. Uh, had a titanium plate put in, but thankfully, a year later, with with the help of the surgeon and the and my a great physical therapy team, a year later, I was able to run a half marathon. So all's well. Awesome. But, 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 you know, there was no shame in, in, in having a surgeon put a plate in my hip. Right. We wouldn't, and no one would, would say, I can't believe you did that. They're like, yeah, of course you had a shattered pelvis, get that thing fixed. One of the things that I really appreciated in, in the week that I spent in the hospital was, um, so, so on the, on the second day, they got me sitting up and I was so excited to be sitting up. I sat in on a zoom meeting at work you know, with the camera off. Cause I looked terrible. Right. Uh, and, uh, and that hour and a half was way too long for me to be sitting up at that point in my recovery. And I spent the rest of the day asleep and I missed my afternoon physical therapy appointment. And the following morning I felt, I felt horrible. I mean, just, just down in the day. And, and the, uh, the, the physician on the floor who came by said, how are you doing today? I said, you know, to be honest, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty down this morning. And they immediately launched into all of the mental health resources that were available in the hospital. Mm. If I wanted to talk to somebody, if there's any, you know, and, and I, I stopped them and I said, listen, I'm, I'm a psychologist and, and I think I know what I'm doing right now. And I'm feeling, I think I'm, I think I understand why I'm feeling down that I kind of overdid it yesterday. I said, but I want to tell you how much I appreciate mm. that your immediate response to what I said was to let me know the variety of medical resources that were available in this situation. It is so important that we treat uh, mental health as health and, and, and that we provide immediately the same level of resources that we would for, 
for people who might be suffering from anxiety or depression as we do for somebody who might have shattered a pelvis. Yeah. Wow. I mean, this is nothing new to the listeners, but I've struggled with uh, panic attacks and anxiety that just came out of nowhere. But part of the problem is I don't think the people that uh, have experienced it and have, have made themselves well talk about it. Yeah. And share. Right. Uh, I look at it as if if I got through this and, and am able to function as normally as I can function, uh, if I don't share it, that's kind of meaningless almost. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I would tell. Visible without you sharing it. Yeah. Um, I, I got to say, Art, too, uh, and I'm not a big analytics guy, but that episode was probably one of our most downloaded episodes when we tackled uh, Jeff's uh, anxiety. Um, And um, I think about it too, Jeff. Um, I want, we want our audience to feel that um, there's this source of uh, you're not alone, right? Because I think oftentimes people can get in that mode of like, I'm the only one that's ever experienced a bike wreck. I'm the only person yeah. experiencing anxiety. Well, there re- I mean, if you really take a step back, come on. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll, well, probably a lot of people. By the way, as soon as you tell somebody you've had a bike wreck, they, they usually have like 12 other people that they know who've had one, which is partly a testimony to how dangerous bikes are. But that's a whole other well, thing. I, well, yeah, and I don't know what you were doing, but I had. there's a lady that is uh, a friend of ours that <laughs> she was in a triathlon and she got clipped and lost her balance and went right straight into like a pole and a hill. It was just, yeah. Well, at, no, at, I, yeah, I was just riding and <laughs> wow. caught a, a funny stretch of road uh, and, 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 and caught a little lip of pavement between a, between a, a sort of area of rough and smooth pavement. And my bike just went straight over well, before I could react. Wow. Add a hundred horsepower motor to it and you end up with an ankle like mine. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I was doing 18 miles an hour at that point. Well, you know what? the human body, human body is not really designed to. to I was doing three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Art, I, I have one last thing around the the mental fitness. Um, our audience, you know, you, you've given them some some good insight. We talked a little bit about exercise and about reframing, uh, seeking out the help of the medical community. Is there anything else you would add if somebody says, so what else could I do uh, to, to help it? You know, I, I'm a big believer that, that about once a year, it's good to take a step back and look at your life and ask, what am I systematically failing to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, we're all going to fail at little things now and again. That's life or, you know, what the kids call adulting. Right. You know, right. you're going to you're gonna have little things that don't go well. But if there's something that's significant to you that you're systematically not achieving and it might be a goal in your life, but it might be um, it might just be an emotional tone. You might feel like, you know, I'm, I'm just consistently not feeling satisfied or I'm not feeling joy. Um, take note of that. Because that's your canary in the coal mine. That's the thing that tells you that if you don't explicitly make some change in your life, then then that isn't going to change. 
And, and, and so that's the point at which you really need to take that step back and say, all right, I, if I, you know, if I, if I want to experience more joy and satisfaction, for example, what are the activities that bring me joy and satisfaction? Am I not spending enough time with other people? We know that social interactions are a huge driver of that. Am I, is my job no longer as satisfying as it was? You know, what is it that's, that's that's keeping me from that and then and then really working and enlisting the help of the people in your life to bring more of those activities into into your day into your week so that you do have those chances and and i i think we we often don't do that reflection you know we at, at best we kind of haphazardly make new year's resolutions and and nobody really prepares for them right new, you know you say oh we're going to make a new year's resolution and on like december 31st or january 1st you're like ah sure and you throw something out there right as opposed to really going through a little bit of a period of reflection and thinking about how life is going and then uh and then not just committing in a in a yes, I'm going to do this, but but really being much more mindful about how am I going to do this? Who am I going to enlist to help me? I, I think that exercise is incredibly important to do, and and one where the opportunity to do it will just keep slipping by if you don't make a concerted effort. Yeah, you know, uh, on an upcoming episode, uh, we've got a gentleman who. Um, He's just so inspiring. He, he's in his mid-40s, played baseball when he was a kid, up through high school, uh, and then that was sort of the the parting. And then at mid-40s, man, I'd like to play baseball again. Um, and obviously he wasn't going to the Baltimore Orioles for a tryout, but he found a local league of other aged guys, and they – he joined the baseball team, started playing, and he told me, it's, all, it's going to be in the recording, he said it was really like Field of Dreams when Shoeless right. Joe Jackson was out in the field, the feeling of joy and <laughs> awe. And yeah. I'm thinking to myself, and he's, he's very thoughtful, so he recognized this is something that brings energy to me. Yeah. And he chose yeah. it. And I, I said, you know, I'm so inspired because – you know, many at that age might just say, hey, I'm, I can't play baseball. I'm, I, I did that when I was in high school. That doesn't work anymore. And then you got to go, well, why won't it work anymore? Why right. can't you? I mean, right. especially when it's going to deliver that kind of return on investment, you know? Oh, yeah. no, uh, that's so that's, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. So I'm going to pivot here. Um, Jeff uh, okay. had something he wanted to ask you as well. We've talked about this a little bit already about change, but especially in the workplace, there's so much happening. Uh, Work from home, hybrid, you have to come into the office, Uh, companies merging, downsizing, and everything else. Uh, What are your thoughts about navigating that kind of change, these things that are just hitting us? uh, You can't avoid them. Yeah, so – the human mind likes some degree of predictability. We don't we don't like everything to be exactly predictable, but we like we like each day to be a bit of a variation on a theme. So we we more or less want to know what's going to happen next. And and I think that when when things get chaotic, that that creates a lot of of anxiety for people. That uncertainty creates a certain amount of stress and so I think that that 
a lot of the things you were just describing and a lot of what's happened since March of 2020 has has created a lot of of unpredictability that has uh, that has been difficult for people. And I think that in those situations, it is important to find your islands of stability. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's it's you know if 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 your work situation is um, is, is you know is is going to be chaotic, uh, maybe you're working for a company that's undergoing some problems, and 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 so your your job function is going to be changing, or or you, there might even be a threat of layoffs. Um, you know, if you're shifting back and forth between working from home and working from the office, I mean, those those kinds of bits of unpredictability um, need to be layered with some elements of predictability. Mm, and and okay. that might be might be digging into some of your close personal relationships and solidifying those so that you have important people in your life. It might be activities that you engage in. So putting those on your schedule. So having having a group of friends that you get together with on Thursday nights or um, a hobby that you engage in where, where you, you, you have a group that gets together. But, but building in those elements of stability is, is a great way of having anchor points so that you, you know, listen, I can hang on through this because I know Thursday's coming, I'm going to see my friends, or I, I know I'm going to be, uh, have this opportunity to spend, spend time, uh, you know, on, on Saturday doing something I really enjoy or whatever it is. That's, that's I think, in, incredibly important so that, so that the, your entire life doesn't feel like it's swirling in chaos. You know, the things you mentioned, but could you also dwell on the would it help to pay attention to the parts of your job that are staying the same? Um, if they're there, absolutely. So, so uh, you know, again, as we were talking about earlier, we have a remarkable capacity to reframe. We also have a remarkable capacity to choose what we're paying attention to. And sometimes the negatives call out to themselves in ways that lead us to to forget the good things that are happening. And so it's, it's useful. You know, one of the things I do, um, uh, you know, it's, this is an audio podcast, so I can't, you can't see this, but behind me, I have, I have some thank you notes that people have sent me that I put up on my, on my bulletin board. And, and I, I went, when, if I do something that, that somebody chooses to write me a note about, I, I, I put the note up on my little bulletin board and, and on those days when I'm feeling unsettled, um, I'll take a look. You know, I'll pull something down. I will remind myself that there are things I've done that other people appreciated that 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 are part of my work life. And some of those things that are going to fade to the background, you you know, bringing those back to the front mm. is is is, I think, really important. You know, li- life is almost never all one thing. It's it's almost never all good or all bad. But when you're feeling good everything feels good, right? You know, everything's coming up roses, right? But, mm-hmm. and when, and when, and when things feel bad, uh, uh, it's, it's almost as if it, you, th- you think everything is bad. And so, you know, part of the way to break that cycle is to remind yourself of the stuff that's actually not just fine, but maybe even quite good. Okay. I would throw out, um, in light of your questions, uh, Jeff, you know, and I hear this I think I hear this from you, Art, is this underlying sort of idea of intentionality. And um, I know for myself, uh, when the pace is running at such a clip 
that it feels like I'm just moving to the next thing to finish the next thing to finish the next thing. And I caught myself this morning in my closet (laughs) as I'm getting ready. And it was like, man, I am really fortunate to be able to do the work that I do. I'm, I'm because I've had times in my life where I was, I was crawling and I was scratching and knocking hard and please give me a shot. And that was really tough. And though that doesn't mean I'll never have tough again, I can intentionally focus in on, man, I get to do this. And I sometimes think, you know, Jeff, in those situations in work that very few people are going to be able to call the CEO of JP Morgan Chase and say, okay, change the work policy. (laughs) You know, I mean, maybe no one, right? So what you have is what you have and maybe being able to to intentionally embrace the gratitude. I guess that's what I'm thinking. Um, But great points. Um, Okay. As, uh, as always, we, we seem to be on the time crunch, but I wanted to get this in art. What's something you're excited about right now in the current frame? So um, I, I have been lucky enough for the last couple of years to, to serve as our, our vice provost for academic affairs here at the university. And I, I love embracing uh, challenges of different kinds. And there's two of them that, that, that we're dealing with at the university that I'm actually quite excited about. And, and they're, they're interrelated. The first is that exiting the pandemic, I think a lot of our students were feeling uh, demoralized. You know, they, they lost a couple of years of, of real important education time to, um, to, to to having to do all of their schooling online. And so they didn't lose them, but they, they didn't have all the social interactions that they that they may have wanted. They, they you know, there were there were reduced numbers of activities and things like that. And um, and so one of the things we did this year at the university was we, we released a new honor code. And it, it's uh, it's focused on an ideal. There's an operative phrase in the middle of our new honor code that says we're going to engage in the intentional pursuit of learning and scholarship. And, and the idea there is not to focus on don't do the wrong thing, but rather a, to, to, to create the basis for a reminder uh, of why we're here and to create conversations about about why why we engage in, in higher education and and related to that. Uh, you know, last year you couldn't have escaped that 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 uh, that that a large language model, ChatGPT, got released, and yeah. uh, and and everyone immediately started citing gloom and doom for education because somebody could just type in a prompt and get an essay written. But uh, I look at this and think, what a, what a great opportunity to rethink the way that we teach some skills like writing. Is there are you know are there going to be ways that we can use these new tools to be better at teaching skills that were historically very difficult for people to catch on to. And so I, I, to me, I, I see tremendous opportunities all over. Um, You know, even though, even though there, there are some headwinds um, I, I, I'm just, I'm just incredibly excited about, about where higher education is. I'm, I'm, I've, I've been very fortunate uh, to, this is my beginning of my 33rd year on the faculty somewhere. So uh, it's been great fun. And, and, and the fact that I, I, I've been able to work in administration now and really try to influence the direction of our academic mission has just been, uh, just been wonderful. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm having a great time. You know what, Art? It's uh, I I applaud that uh, um, slogan term you're 
about the intentional pursuit thing, mm-hmm. right? And I'm I'm not going to get it all because I don't have it in my memory. But um, one of the things I love for that, I, I what I hear is a calling to rise to a higher standard in pursuit, right? And I think um, I'm <laughs> no one gets out of an episode of the Spirit of EQ podcast without some kind of musical <laughs> reference. And <laughs> Jeff knows this, <laughs> and Brett. <laughs> But it's usually uh, about Rush. Okay, but not this time. Uh, <laughs> this time, it's about one of my favorite producers of all time, Trevor Horn. And mm-hmm. for the audience, if you remember the Buggles radio killed the video killed the radio star. That's what he's probably most famous for. But he's he's much more of a career in producing. So he's release releasing this new album of a compilation of older songs that are being reimagined. And he has Seal singing on uh, a remake of Joe Jackson's Steppin' Out. Ooh, love that song. <laughs> and it is, I mean, I love it. I love it, love it. But here's what's interesting. It's done in Dolby Atmos, right, along with high res. And the things that you can hear, just these little nuances that they throw in that just take what that song was in the beginning and kind of it moves it to a different place. And when I heard you say that, I immediately went to that song. It's like, yeah, it's just like that background vocalist at the end who just, uh, it's a background echo and a, and a melody. And I'm going, that made that, that, that absolutely made that. And I think yeah. I, I'm one of these optimists that I believe that, that if you call people to this higher thing, mm-hmm. th- there's a number of people that will rise to that. You know, um, that's really inspiring art. Oh my gosh! And can I just add? Can I add Yo, one please. thing? Yeah, I, 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 no, I, I love what you just said, and and I, you know, and of course that I agree with you that all those little touches matter so much, but but you know, it's 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 not just that when you call people uh, to the occasion that many of them will rise, but but that we spend so much of our time worried that somebody somewhere might be getting away with something mm. that we don't create opportunities for people to step up and rise to the occasion. And you know what? At some point, maybe what we need to do is to focus on those people who are willing to embrace the challenges in front of them and not spend so much time trying to make sure that there's nobody who does the wrong thing. Wow. Um, like yeah, that. I like that. That's that's really, really good. Really, really good. Art, I really appreciate your yes. time and joining us today. It was awesome. Um, loved your insights, and um, we'll consider this. You'll have an invite back when we've got some, uh, when you have more time, and and we'd love to do it. And there will be show notes with all of uh, the things that we've discussed as it relates to Art's work. And with that, uh, we come to a close. We appreciate your time and look forward to the next time that we're together. Take care. Hi, everyone. This is Eric again. A couple of things as we've ended the show. We hope you enjoyed it. Hopefully, you're tuning in on a regular basis. We'd love it if you would give us a great review on whatever platform you're listening to the podcast. It's so appreciative and helps us as we try to get more exposure for the work we do and the episodes that we publish. And we're grateful to you as a listener. The second thing is just remember, our content is for educational purposes only. It's not intended by any stretch to diagnose or to treat anything that may be occurring in your life or anyone else's life that you may be connected to through the podcast. But once again, we appreciate you tuning in to the shows. 
And as always, we look forward to the next time that we're together. Take care.